All right, so we're in Romans chapter 2. We are, I don't even know, like week 5 or something of this Romans road trip. We're going through the book of Romans. We've never done this before. Um, if you need a book, we have these companion guides. Helps you take notes while we're going through the book. Also, when you get around um, tables, like in a community group, or maybe meet some friends at the coffee shop, you can you can jot down like what you're learning and what you're what God's showing you, how you're applying it, and how you're changing because of it. Listen, I will go to my grave saying this. It's so deep in me. God's what he's what he wants to show the world is not a bunch of people that can go to church. He wants to show the world people that are changed by who Jesus is. Oh, see, maybe we should just say that again and stop, right? Because I don't feel like that went, went over that well. Going to church doesn't change. It doesn't. Let me use an example. I've, I've used this before. When, Wendy, when, when we first got married, Wendy was working um, at a hospital in Columbia, and there was a, a doctor there, and he literally told Wendy, like, why would I want to go to church? I, I'd rather just keep the 10% of my money that you give to your church. Like, he literally, all he, when he thought Jesus and church, all he thought was that. Well, if you're a Christian, you have to go to church, so you lose an hour, or at our church, too. To, and you lose 10% of your money if actually you give a tithe. And he was like, why would I do that? And what he was saying was, I've met Christians, and they're not different. Oh, right? Transformation is what he's after. So we want to be different because we've been with Jesus what did they say in Acts? They took note that these men were ordinary and uneducated, and yet they had been with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus makes all the difference. So if you're with us, uh, if, you, if you've been with us, you've been with us through all of Romans chapter 1. Um, I'm just going to try to highlight kind of what we've learned, and I give you permission to be underwhelmed this morning with my teaching, but I pray that you are overwhelmed with the truth that God has, all right? We're just going to kind of feel our way through this one. This has been hard to get ready for, mainly because I'm ready to get to the good stuff, and this is hard, right? It just feels hard. So Romans chapter 2, we're going to be in verses um, 5. I'm going to read 5 through 16. We might not get through all of that. But if you would stand, we'll read this, and, and then we'll start working our way through it. I'm not sweating because I'm nervous. I'm sweating because it's the summertime in the South. Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 16. Paul writes this, but because of your stubbornness, oh, <laughs> that's a fun way to start, isn't it? Turn to the person next to you and say, I knew you needed to be here today. <laughs> but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble 
and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Verse 15, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts, sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. We should probably pray. God, help us, Lord, to understand what you're talking about here, because this is life. It changes us, transforms us. So I pray that you would help us to understand it, God, and know how to live it out. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Reveal your truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Would anybody like to come explain what we just read? <laughs> yeah, Mike's like, I'll do it. God is completely fair in his judgment on us. That's good. That's good. Um, when I was starting to read this, I, got, I couldn't get past verse 5. But because of your, that's where he stopped me. Because of your. It's like, we play the blame game, don't we? So much. Like, the reason that my life is messed up is because so-and-so did this or so-and-so did that. Or if my, if my boss had been fair, then I would have gotten the raise that I was supposed to get, but it went to somebody else because he or she's a jerk. And, like, we just blame, blame, blame. And God is like, time out. Because of your stubbornness, because of your unrepentant heart. And when I studied, when I studied the word for stubbornness, here's what I found out. Um, Doctors, medical people in the room, you probably already know this. Um, it means hardness. It means callousness. I, I almost put up pictures of my feet on the screen. But I didn't. I didn't. You're welcome. Thank you, Jesus, right? Like, I have calloused feet. And I was, like, kind of going down that road, like, what's the point of a callous? Like, why do we have them? And then, and then I looked up in the Greek and saw, like, hardness. And do you know the word used for stubbornness is where we get sclerosis from? And this is the definition of sclerosis in medicine. It is an abnormal hardening of body tissue. And to be honest, that's about as far as I could get. So I was like, God, we need the oil of the Holy Spirit to soften the body tissue. Tell the person next to you, you are part of the body. When there's abnormal hardening of body tissue, we get hardened to, to what's happening around us. And, and I want to remind you what we just read last week. We did verses 1 through 4. And what did he say in verse 4? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? 
tolerance and patience. I thought, God, how, how, can we, how do we show contempt for your kindness? And he said, because there's an abnormal hardening of the body tissue. And when we're hard, we can't understand his kindness. There's just, a, I'm just going to read a couple of verses to you. Verses where we see the word contempt that he used in verse 4. In Matthew chapter 6, 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. The word for despise is the word that he used for contempt. So do you, can, do you despise the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? Do we despise his kindness? Do we overlook his kindness? The word for despise literally means this, to think little or nothing of. And what I thought about when I read that was, or if we just phrased it a little bit differently, not just to think little of, but to think about only a little. How often do we really stop and think about the ways that God has been kind to us? Like, there's a part of me that wants to make you get in groups of two or three right now and talk. Oh, let's just do it. Can we do it? Everybody turn to the camera and say, this is going to be a terrible live stream. <laughs> if you're at home watching this on a live stream with somebody, then you can do it with them. But I know you're like, don't make me talk to people. Well, welcome to church, y'all. And if you don't want to talk to people, there's a hardening of your heart. So right now, like, with people that you know, if you're with people that you know, just talk for like two or three minutes about ways that God has been kind to you. Go ahead, ways that God has been kind to you. Like, I'm not even a Christian. Sometimes he's still kind if you're not a Christian. We good? How are we doing? Kindness of God? Something happens when we begin to remember what he has done. The psalmist said, 
Forget not the benefits. Forget not the benefits, right? We remember what he's done. And I, I thought about, can you imagine being the church in Rome and hearing this letter for the first time? Like we, we read it knowing the rest of it, right? Like if you're not super familiar with the Bible, I'll just go ahead and tell you. If we can just get about halfway through chapter 3, you're going to be like, ooh, I like this a whole lot better, right? Because he's going to start talking about a lot of benefits, things that he's done for us. But right now, it's a lot of like judgment and who do you think you are when you're comparing yourself to that person and like all of you, none of you are worthy of any of this. Like it, it can just feel almost overwhelming. And I think it's good to stop and ask ourselves, are we despising his kindness? And one of the ways that we don't show contempt for his kindness is that we remember it. If we were in a synagogue, if we were in a home church and we heard this letter for the first time, how, how are we feeling right about now? We're feeling like there's no hope, which is exactly what Paul is trying to accomplish. He's trying to talk to Jews, the religious, in our vernacular, that's church people, right? People that are going to church. He's talking to them and saying, like, you already think that people that don't go to church have no hope. But I need you to understand that apart from Jesus, neither do you. Right? That's what he's trying to accomplish. It's just hard for us to put ourselves in that place because we know the rest of the story. And so when we get to verses like verse 11 where it says that God does not show favoritism, we like it, but we still kind of think we're his favorite. I don't know if you've ever done this. This may be TMI, which is always the best, right? But I have, from time to time in my life, felt like God and I had a special kind of an arrangement. And the arrangement was that while I could read the Bible and recognize that what he called out in Scripture as sin was actually sin... Because he knew my heart and loved me so much, he wasn't mad at me if I did that sin. Some of y'all are like, I'm not sure I totally understood that, but it doesn't sound good. I don't want to admit I've ever done it. But you have. We all have. It's why you get so mad at people who do the thing that you do. But you don't get mad at yourself for doing it because you're pretty, but God knows my heart. He understands how tired I am. And when I get tired, I react in anger and say things maybe I shouldn't say. And like, yes, he does understand us and he does know us. And I'm so thankful for his grace. But when we think that what they did is so bad, but when I do the same thing, God's not quite as mad at me, then we believe he plays favorites, and he does not. 
And that's good news. We need him to not play favorites. We need him to, and again, what we read sounds like you can earn your salvation. We don't earn our salvation. We don't get from God because we did for God when it comes to our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift from God. And so part of what's hard about teaching through a book like Romans is we're going to read passages that, like, you're, you're like, wait, what do you mean? Like, I can't earn it. It says right here that he will give me eternal life in verse 7 if I do good, seek glory and honor, and he will give me eternal life. But you have to take that in the context of the entire letter and all of the New Testament. Let me just give you a couple, a couple verses. You can jot them down. I'll read them really quickly. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eleven six. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Titus 3, 5, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. What went through my head was like, you saved me, you saved me. I will never, I, I love that. Like, I love how, like, sometimes, like, we sing songs a hundred times. And we're like, why do we keep singing that song? I don't know, because it's the word of God. He saved us. Not because we did anything, but because he is righteous and full of mercy. He does not play favorites. Um, Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 35. Um, this is after Peter, who was a Jew. Like, we, we use that phrase, a man's man. He was a Jew. Like, he was a Jew, right? So, and he got called by God to go to Cornelius' house. He was a Gentile. And he, like, saw the vision. And he was like, God, I will never do that unclean thing. Like, talk to those bad people. And God said, okay, I'm going to show it to you again. Show it to you again. You ever had God have to tell you something three times because you're just like so slow? I'm like, if only it took three times, right? <laughs> He's like, it's Paul. Put it on repeat, right? But he like showed him the vision three times. He's like, no, go. And then there's a knock on the door. And people are like, yes, our, uh, we came from Cornelius' house. We were sent to get you. And Peter's like, are you kidding me? I just had a vision. Let's go. And when he went... And he met and he preached the gospel. And when they responded, this was Peter's response to their response to God. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He was blown away. That God would move among Gentiles. Kind of like how some of y'all are. Like when somebody walks in, you're like, I never thought they would come to church. The question is, 
not are we glad they're at church, but like what if they start following Jesus? Right? We'd be like, wait, wait, time out, God. Time out. They stole from me. They, they wronged me. How, how can you accept that? Do you not know what they did to I, I thought you were on my side. Mm, wait, wait, God doesn't play favorites. I mean, I just, I'm just making sure that you see how this has seeped into our belief system. Like somehow he owes us more. There's a story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which is a day's wage, and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, hey, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Are you with me so far? Are you following us? The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, so the last ones hired were paid first. They came forward and they each received a Daenerys. So when those who came, when those who, when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Let's make sure that we're following this picture, right? The first people, the ones that worked all day in the field, saw the people who worked the least get paid what they had been promised. And don't even tell me for a second you would not have been standing there going, oh, come on, y'all, this is going to be good. He paid them for a whole day, and we've been in the field for a whole day. How much is he going to give us? But each of them received a Daenerys. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Because I am generous. So the last will be first and the first will be last. I'm sure there's a lot that we could learn from that story. Can I just tell you this one thing? I believe in church that the longer we work for God, the more we think we deserve from God. The longer we work for God, the more we think we deserve from God. And because he doesn't show favoritism, and, and again, Paul is, he's trying to drive home to the Jew, right? Just make sure you're with me. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's trying to drive home 
that he doesn't love you because you followed the law more than he loves people who didn't follow the law. And he's hammering that home. That's why he uses the phrase, like, first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. He's not saying, like, because they're more important than the Gentiles. He's just saying, like, I'm going to judge the whole world, y'all. I'm going to judge everybody according to what they're doing. Because your actions are revealing your heart. You're not being saved by works. Your works are revealing whether you're saved. It's a big difference. Right? And he's saying, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring reward and I'm going to bring judgment. And it's going to be equal. It's going to be fair. It's going to be without favoritism. We will be judged by God's his truth and his impartiality. But the longer we work for him, the more we think we deserve from him. And I, I don't know how this will set well with your theology. But when I feel like I can stomp my foot and almost put God in a vice grip because of a promise in the Word of God, then I am asking him to give me what I deserve. Instead of receiving what he would generously give. And the point that Paul's making, and it's a hard one, is that if God were to give equally to all men and all women what we deserve, then that we're all damned. Which is why a lot of people who have spent their life in church might be surprised when they stand before God. And he says, but I never knew you. I don't want God to give me what I deserve. I want him to give me what he would generously give. So what do we even do with this, right? How do we live this out? I think we have to repent. I've lived long enough to stand on the promises of God and not see them happen. Are y'all good? All my faith people good? Well, pastor, you just don't have enough faith. I won't argue with you. I'm always like, I believe, help my unbelief, right? I want to have more faith. But the reality is, when I find myself mad at God, I'm not mad at God as much as, I'm not mad at God because he didn't do what I thought he could do. I'm mad at God because he didn't do for me what I'm pretty sure I earned by all the stuff I did for him. Does that make sense? I've, I've preached this before. I, I won't do it today because we need to wrap up. But 
But I preached this message about David buying the threshing floor from a ruinah. When what David wanted to do his whole life was build a temple. And God said, you don't get to build the temple. You too much blood on your hands. You're going to need to, I need you to buy the threshing floor from a ruinah. And it was like, like you just see David going, are you, are you kidding me? Because threshing floors were not fun to have, right? And he's like, are, I, I did all this for you, God. I did all of this for you, and this is what I got? The threshing floor? Like this place of chaos and wind and darkness, and all I ever want to do is just build you this temple. But if you read Scripture, you find out that the temple that David's son built was built on the threshing floor that David purchased. Listen, it might not seem fair to you and to me, but in God's economy, there's no favoritism. And he is a kind God who gives us what we don't deserve when we trust in what he's done. Probably as far as we should go. Now, everything we talked about today comes back to verse 5. If you got your Bibles, look at verse 5. If you got it on your phone, scroll back up to it. And tell me again why all of this happened. Because of whose stubbornness? ours right because and i can't be the only person in the room who some like the bible says in the last days the love of men will grow cold we see in that it's like we're getting harder and harder and harder we have less and less compassion there is an abnormal hardening of body tissue happening in the church and when I say we're going to end this in repentance, it doesn't mean that you have to come, like, wail at the altar. You can if you want to. Repentance is just acknowledging that God's way is right and our way is wrong, and we've been following our way. That's it. And choosing to trust him. I am um, all week long. I've been thinking about one song, and it is old. Like some of y'all don't even know who Keith Green was, which is terrible for y'all. You should Google, YouTube, playlist everything, Keith Green. And also, you should grow your hair like Keith Green. If you can, yeah, if you can. I mean, he's got a song that says, My Eyes Are Dry. And he says, what can be done with an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine of your love. And that's what I want. And as a pastor who Galatians says, like Galatians 4 says, like, 
I, I am in labor until Christ is formed in you? Like, that, I, I don't just want him to soften my heart. I ache for him to soften yours. To soften our hearts to him. And to the truth that we can't earn anything from him, but we can receive his gift. And when we receive that gift, we want to share it. Because we're like, holy cow, this isn't just for me, but you too can receive this. That's why the greatest testimony to our city will be people who love each other when they used to not even like each other. And I'll just be honest with you, there's not a lot of people signing up for that. But the witness in our city, when enemies become friends, brothers and sisters, y'all, people be like, what has happened to you? Are you? How can you like that person? Do you not know what they did to you? Yes, I'm aware of what they did to me. But do you know what I did to Jesus? And can I tell you what he gave me in return? Again, I want to be clear. If our entire life is, I'm trying to do good stuff so you'll save me. The Bible says you're storing up wrath. Because you can't save yourself. But if our response is, I could never have saved myself. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation. Then we have put ourselves in a place to receive from him. So I'm praying this morning that he will open your eyes and mine to see all the ways that we have hardened ourselves to our condition. Does that make sense? Are y'all good? <laughs> Just making sure. That you'll have, a, you'll have a you're the man moment. Remember 2 Samuel when David had committed adultery and had the wife the wife's husband killed and all the things. And Nathan, the prophet, came in and told him a quick story and about how, like, this guy that had tons of sheep fell in love with this one sheep this one guy had. And he took that one sheep. And it says that David's heart, he burned with anger. Anybody ever burned with anger? Just me, huh? Okay. He burned like the peripheral got white, right? He burned with anger. And he said, the man who took the sheep should be put to death. And Nathan said three words. You are, four words, the man. <laughs> I counted them as I said them, y'all. <laughs> you are the man. David, to his credit, repented. What about you? What about us, church? We're, we are the people. We're the man, woman, kids. We are. What will we do? What is our response this morning? I just wish Paul would shut up. Y'all, it might be, that might be your response. You're free to have that response. But our response should be, oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. For, for, Judging in others what I have actually done. And for 
hardening my heart so that I can't even feel it or see it or sense it. And in God's grace, he comes and he points it out to us and says, let me tell you a story. And we're like, all the way to the story until the end, and then we're like, kill that person. And he just, the Holy Spirit is so good about flipping that script and saying, well, I was actually telling you a story about you. So I want to pray this morning. We don't need music. I just need you to close your eyes. I need you to be with the Lord right now. And I need you just to tell him, like, if that's you, say, God, I'm the man. I'm the woman. That's me. Oh, God, I'm sorry that I have done that. I'm realizing now how much I have judged others, been angry at them because in them I saw myself. And now, God, I realize that you in your kindness again have come to us and you've pointed that out to me. And, God, I pray that you would return your bride back to the days when we were just so happy to be with you when we're just thrilled to be saved like we, we, I would tell everybody like you cannot believe like a guy like me is loved by a God like that God take us back to that place soften our hearts with the oil of your spirit show us our need of you that our only hope is you. This has been a hard journey, God. These, these couple fir first two chapters, they're hard, and it's hard to stop and look and realize that, man, I have thought that I was better than I am. But God, I'm in need of the gospel. I am in need of the cross. No matter how long I've served you, I'm still in need of the gospel. And I pray, God, that you would do that in all of us in this room as we repent before you. God, I pray that you would soften us with the gift of the Spirit. Yeah. If you're here this morning and and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I would love nothing more than to talk with you about that when we leave. And I'll just kind of hang out up here at the front. I would love to introduce you to my Savior. Thank you, God, for not giving us what we deserve. Thank you for not making us have to earn it. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In your name, Jesus, amen.